Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 612 of the Juicebox podcast. This is also the next episode in the Diabetes Pro Tip series. On this episode of the Juicebox podcast, Jenny Smith and I are going to be talking extensively about hormones, female hormones, about getting your period, about riding the, no, I won't say that, about Shark Week. You know, that time of the month where your baby box is trying to kill you. And we're not going to just talk about your period, but we're going to talk about the lead up and afterwards the entire month, really, and what you can expect as your hormones fluctuate and change. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Right now, I'm considering putting a ton of euphemisms for a period at the end of this episode. I'm not sure if I will or not. It's all kind of up in the air. Hey, if you'd like to help out the podcast, Head over to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, I'd love it if you'd fill out their survey. It'll help people with type 1 diabetes, and it supports the podcast. This episode of the Juicebox podcast uh, does not have a sponsor. Not that I don't have a sponsor I could put on the podcast. That I certainly have. But I just want to take this opportunity to remind you about the other Diabetes Pro Tip episodes and some of the other series within the podcast. Can I do that? Will you give me a second? Thank you. At this point, the Diabetes Pro Tip series consists of 25 episodes. This one, of course, is female hormones. But there's also honeymooning, weight loss, postpartum, glycemic index and load, explaining type 1 diabetes, pregnancy, bump and nudge 1, bump and nudge 2, long-term health, emergency room protocols, glucagon and low BGs, illness, injury, and surgery, fat and protein, exercise, setting your basal insulin, variables, the perfect bolus, mastering a CGM, insulin pumping, temp basal pre-bolus, all about insulin, all about MDI, newly diagnosed or starting over. I actually listed them in reverse there for you. But you can find them right now at diabetesprotip.com. They're a million percent free. They're not paywalled. You can get to them and start them and stop them or listen to them as you would like. I'm going to tell you that I think if you listen through those pro tips, they're a pathway to an A1C stably in the low sixes or even fives. Everything I know about type 1 diabetes management to be important is in those episodes. And along the way, I always have Jenny Smith there with me having those conversations. I'm going to tell you at the end of the episode all about Jenny, but for now, just know uh, she's had type 1 diabetes for a very long time. She's a CDE and a lot more. So head on over to juiceboxpodcast.com or diabetesprotip.com, or you can just go back in your podcast player to episode 210 and start right there. I really hope you do. There's a ton of information in these episodes. I think they're very easy to listen to and even easier to understand. I hope you take advantage of them. All right. Okay. Give me a testing. Hello. All right. You're there. I'm there. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So, 
<laughs> I've spent not my whole life, you know, but the last uh, number of days and weeks looking into all of this, uh, trying to get ready to make a pro tip episode about female hormones. And it's a very scary proposition. Um, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not scared, scared, but I'm overwhelmed. And then the last kind of piece of it was that I went onto the Facebook page and, you know, said to people, look, you know, throw out your questions for this episode. I want to be clear. I almost didn't think I needed their questions so that we could talk. I wanted to see if there was repetitive need. Like, do you know what I mean? Sure. Like, what are people like? Thinking? Same questions over and over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Like, so, um, the the questions range from like, just God, is there any rhyme or reason to this? To um, what about menopause? What about perimenopause? What about uh, the time where my kid isn't getting their period yet, but is starting to exhibit, you know, symptoms and um, having uh, hormone fluctuations, talking about puberty and then pregnancy and then, and then. How <laughs> was your head spinning? Post-pregnancy. It's, it's, I, listen, nature, God, I don't care what you think. This is, there's got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> someone, someone, this was an afterthought. <laughs> like, like someone at the end was like, oh, you know, here's what we'll do. We'll throw some eggs in here and then you'll have to throw in some estrogen to get the eggs really rolling. Then one egg will come out. And if they don't get pregnant, the whole thing will just bleed out of their vagina. Perfect. Like, I don't know who, what. Right. Oh my goodness. PCOS yeah. keeps coming up. Um, is that polycystic ovarian syndrome? PCOS, yes. Mm -hmm. Now I know those words. So, all right, Jenny, I want you to tell me what you just said before we started recording about the inequities of diabetes management from um, men, to, men to women. Or from an education standpoint to yeah. begin with. I mean, it was not something that was ever discussed in my presence, at least. And I don't think my mom had outside of visit conversations with my peds endo at all about hormones. Yeah. Right. So I learned all of this as I was having this like typical cycle, you know, that should happen after a certain point in the sort of teen years and education today, it focuses on diabetes in, in general, yeah. right. Not on if you're a woman with diabetes versus if you're a man with diabetes, these are the differences that you will definitely see. So you're a woman with diabetes. You've got all the female hormones pumping in your body. Let's discuss diabetes from the angle of being a woman, right? Um, I mean, especially for my, like, I would even say when I start working with somebody, if they're from about the age 10, 11, all the way into, well, it's even the women I work with into the perimenopause and menopause age, that's something in an initial visit I always ask about mm. because it, even if it isn't yet visible, it will be at some point. And people need an idea that they need to like see out into if I see this and this and this, I'm clearly not a crazy person. This is body function. Well, I guess, especially given that, you know, because we talk about things in general terms, like the cycle's 28 days, that's in general, it's not. It's not for everybody, and it might not be for you from month to month as well. Right. Um, so 
if you can imagine when you hear people talk about like diabetes, like just when I thought I had it, it, it changed or, you know, those memes, those me, is it memes? My God, I'm old. You know, where it's like Monday, two plus two is four, Tuesday, two plus two is seven, you know, Wednesday, two plus two is zebra, like that kind of stuff. And then <laughs> if that's already how diabetes feels to people in general, and then you put this on top, I mean, you really are kind of creating two different spinning layers of confusion that can impact each other or show up on their own. And I don't know how you're supposed to make sense of that. I actually, after going through all this, I have an idea I'll share at the end about how to get a handle on this, but I just don't know. Well, well, I guess to give people some context, Arden's 17. So this is the depth mm-hmm. of my understanding of this. Uh, my understanding of this is I've, I've, I'm married and I've lived with a lady for a couple of decades and, um, and my daughter has uh, diabetes and she's been getting her period for a while. Um, and I bet you never paid as much attention as when it really was in reference to diabetes management. No, the only thing I used to pay attention to was there's this, what I call the nice day. There's like this, <laughs> there's this, there's this literally one day a month where my wife is a 1950s, like I'm making quotes, perfect mom, wife, lover, like it's that day on that day I feel taller more handsome like you know like she is so incredibly kind of like leave it to beaver mom sort of at that age of an idea of what a mom was right 100 percent. and I and I, I I bask in that day because the day that comes after it I can't even look her in the eye because if I do something wrong she's the different like and then I know that the that the event is coming in about five to seven days. Like that's how it works for my So wife. you've paid enough attention to actually like, I, I can die. tell you many, yeah, yeah. many spouses or partners are not. I thought I was going to die. I was defending my own life, you, you know? And so for years, that's the only way I ever thought about it. Um, and then Arden starts to get her, you know, and then we're kind of rocking along taking care of Arden's blood sugar like it ain't nothing some days, you, you know, I was just like, I, I do really have this all figured out. And then one day she started getting her period and it was all fine at first. It actually almost, it got more difficult at some junctures, but it mm-hmm. was, it was very um, structured. So I didn't have any trouble with it really. Right. And then all of a sudden her periods got heavy and, you know, people listening will know that, you know, Arden went through a, a, a year or two of like us not understanding what was going on. She got anemic a number of times. She had to have iron infusions. This was all ended up being because of her period. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Arden would get her period for like 11 days. Like, so she'd have like 11 days. The long bleeding. cycle. And then yeah. there was only a couple of day break before she started to bleed again. It was just ridiculous which led us to put her on birth control um, hoping like, you know, that she wouldn't bleed to death because she was, I mean, the impact on our life was insane. Um, Sure. You know? And so first go around with the birth control they gave her. It wasn't strong enough. Didn't really do anything, but they still ask you to be on it for 90 days before they consider changing it. So you, you struggled all this time. You think you have an answer and then 90 more days of struggling. And then they moved her up to another, I guess, strength. And that has 
you know, straightened out her, her straightened out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, the first indication of that problem was nosebleeds. Oh. Really bad, out of nowhere nosebleeds, right? Hmm. That only happened once a month. And it took us a while to figure it out. It was literally happening on a cycle. Mm-hmm. I never was able to connect it to her periods, but the minute she went on the birth control and the, the second round of birth control and it straightened out her periods, the, the, the nosebleeds never happened again. That's really interesting. Well, and I mean, again, a symptom that if you're paying enough attention to your body, there are lots of things that your body is trying to tell you. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> if and, we just pay attention to them. And it's why I bring it up, honestly, because part of what I've figured out <laughs> – Jenny, part of what I figured out being a man who doesn't get a period and a person who doesn't have diabetes, as I considered talking about this with you today, uh, was <laughs> was that um, you kind of have to, you got to kind of have to Jane Goodall it a little bit, right? Like you got to take notes and step back and see things and keep yes. wondering what's happening until you can build some some idea of like, I keep seeing this thing over and over again. And where does that fit on the calendar? And and how does it work in relationship to, you know, bleeding or pain or insulin resistance? And then you mm-hmm. can sort of start making sense of it. You have to track your period maybe, yes. maybe for six months before you'll be able to wrap your head around it a little bit. Especially if your cycle is not regular. I would say for women who, especially women who are considering, maybe you're starting to track things and pay attention because you are planning a pregnancy, Mm -hmm. or maybe you're really trying to prevent a pregnancy. So then tracking things becomes just as important, right? Um, But then along with the lines of even planning a pregnancy, the goal in diabetes is to have pretty optimized management prior to conception. Yeah. So yes, I mean, you really should be tracking things for a fair amount of time if you don't have them already nailed down because you've paid attention, yeah. right? And there are a number of really good period apps out there. I mean, there are some that are free that do just as well as some of the ones that have all the thousands of bells and whistles for tracking everything else. But I think the ones that are the best actually have a place where you can keep notes because the tracking app that I like to use I actually track month to month how my insulin changes have looked this month. So I can go back last month, the month before, and actually see, has it been consistent enough? Is it going along with what is normal for me? Um, And that helps. Well, even uh, very recently in the last couple of months, Apple added a period tracker to their health app which seems robust and it's free. And a lot of people use Apple phones. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, I didn't even know that was an option. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So because Arden uses one that's third party, I don't even know what it's called now. Uh, But as I looked at people's questions and I thought about, hold on a second. The gods are coming after me for talking about periods when I'm not a lady. (laughs) That's right. As I thought about how I've been figuring, like, like stepped back and looked at what we had to go through to try to figure this out for Arden. And then I looked at people's questions. The real fear, when you see fear, is around the unknown portion of it. And all I could think over and over again when I saw their questions, like, how do I know if it's going to fluctuate? When do I turn up my basal insulin if I can't be sure when it's going to start? I kept thinking, you're going to have to track it. You're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to put, like, work in. And... 
I know that sucks because it feels like diabetes is already work, but it really made me think about like kind of what we talked about in other pro tips, which is, you know, some upfront effort can save a lot of heartache right. over and over again. Right. Um, or a lot more micromanagement than you really should need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. You get stuck in that situation where you're constantly, constantly, constantly adjusting your blood sugar in the moment, which I'm a, listen, I'm a fan of if you're lost to stay flexible. But in this situation where, what was the number I saw? The average woman's going to have how many periods? Like 400 and something. Or I was like, oh, like, I, hold on. I'll- in a lifetime? Well, I guess yeah, if you yeah. expect an average age of a period starting at the age of 12 and there are 12 months in a year, right? Mm-hmm. So you would have, let's say, one cycle a year. And then the average time period of a cycle completing would be about, let's say, age 12 all the way to maybe 55, let's say, maybe even 60. I mean, that's a good amount of time that you would be having cycle. I'm using your math. math. 55 minus 12 is 43 times 12 months is 516. There you go. So I'm saying... That's a lot of tracking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying put in, a, put some like real, like it's going to be honest effort because you're going to have to track, you know, your insulin use every day and, you know, just giving yourself, I think what helped me was just simple words, um, difficult, easy, y- you know what I mean? Like yes. referring to my management, uh, you know, meals were what I expected, easier than I expected, harder than I expected. Yes. You know, my basil seemed to work well, um, not well today, like just kind of keep it, keep it like that. You make a little note for yourself and I'll tell you too, tracking your period is going to help you get better at taking care of your blood sugar too. Cause you're going to see all kinds all around. Yeah. Yes. You're going to see all kinds of things that you didn't, you didn't see before to begin with. You're going to learn a lot of things too, in that time of tracking for all of those other variables that we have to adjust around. Right. Cause I, for one know that my sensitivity, <clears throat> once I've gotten to about day three of my period, after that point and until about ovulation, is a really sensitive time. But it's more sensitive from day three to about like day seven-ish. Mm-hmm. And in exercise, I have to be more aggressive in adjusting my insulin for exercise yeah. or I will go low. Despite my other tools and tweaks working outside of that, I will go low if I don't adjust more than I normally would. Is that a progesterone period in there? So you're essentially, when you're looking at um, progesterone, that is typically like peaking at certain points, right? Um, And then there's also the luteinizing hormone, there's follicle stimulating hormone, there's estrogen. And we got a lot of hormones that are coming into play. So progesterone kind of starts to really kind of like fall off essentially once your period is started. It has really climbed in the time of you coming into potentially having a period. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason for that is in the anticipation that you in sort of that ovulatory time period have actually conceived, 
right? Mm -hmm. Progesterone levels will stay high and continue to climb in pregnancy. When you don't have conception happen and you start to have your period, that level falls because there's no reason to have that elevated. I mean, again, other hormones at play here as well, progesterone being one of them, but it doesn't need to remain where it was because you're not pregnant. Okay. And so, during, so then it fluxes. Right. And, and do do we, let's try to think about this. Do we count the, the beginning of the cycle is considered when the period starts, right? Day one of your period is day one of your cycle. Of your cycle. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, estrogen at that point is lower. Is that right? And then it starts to. And then estrogen starts to climb. Mm-hmm coming into ovulation. And then in that next phase around ovulation and potential like conception, again, progesterone is sort of like climbing into that time period. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, all these fun hormones doing different things. I mean, if you even looked up a simple, like just Google a a graph Mm -hmm. of like what your hormones should look like, you can tell why, one basil for 30 days in a row. If you're a woman who has a monthly cycle, couldn't doesn't work. work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. You know what else I learned by digging into all this is that not that I wouldn't expect this because it's a physiological thing, but it's incredibly complicated what's happening. It's not just like, you know, your, your eighth grade health understanding of it, which, you know, in my mind was, uh, an egg gets released, you use it or you don't use it. If you don't use it, you know, the uterine lining and the egg come out in a period, which I know is high level what it is. But the idea of like the ramp up, right? Like the, um, gosh, like you start talking about like follicles and like there's this process that's happening in there where your body's trying to locate the strongest egg to be released. It's not just like the next one on the assembly line. It's like it literally... Anyway, it's mind-boggling. Even the TED Talks on it are confusing. Even when <laughs> even when nice girls sit in front of cameras in front of YouTube and try to talk to you right in your eyes, you're like, I don't understand. There's so much happening. But I think for the case of – but for type 1, for using insulin, is it is it as easy as saying that there's a time when you're bleeding, there's a time when you're ovulating – And there's a time when your body is trying to make your body a hospitable place for sperm to live so that the process of fertilization can happen well. Is that basically it? Like there's kind of. I mean, that's basically the simplified. And I think sort of along the same line of what you're getting at is if you, if you're having a cycle, whether you're on birth control with a cycle or you're not on birth control with a cycle, Mm -hmm. you can expect the times of your period to show similarities for you in insulin need, Mm -hmm. right? One person may experience during this phase of, you know, hormone release or this phase of their cycle that they always have higher blood sugars. Now that they've been tracking things, they can say, yes, I'm always getting higher here. One of the first places that that commonly starts is the fasting blood sugar or the overnight blood sugar for whatever reason in the hormone dance of the human body, um, that's the first place that commonly women see things are running higher. Mm -hmm. And if you start to pay attention to your calendar, it will most likely coincide with 
that's going to be somewhere about like three to maybe seven days prior to your period starting. Some women experience really short-lived, higher insulin needs, and whether they may have missed a slight nudge up, maybe a week sooner, most of them notice, gosh, the first you know day and maybe the two days before my period, I'm just high. I can't take enough insulin. I dump it all in and I still sit high. Well, next month, you know, if that's the case and you start seeing higher blood sugars and you do, and you are maybe somebody who doesn't have a regular enough cycle, I would probably expect that this is what's probably on its way. As long as your site isn't bad and, you know, all the other variables that it could possibly be. Yeah. So it's going to be incredibly important for you not to throw your hands up to the diabetes fairy and go, Oh, it's just diabetes. It's happening to me again. Like (laughs) after it happens a couple of times, you got to say, like Jenny's saying, like, this is what happens. Whether or not I can tell you that it absolutely happens on day, I don't know, 13 of my cycle or not, it it becomes unimportant. Like you, you sort of see, You know, it's not any different than like, as you're talking about all this and about when people see higher blood sugars, like Arden has this too, but because my mindset is like more insulin push back, don't let it happen. I can't see it. Sometimes I can tell you that we're bolusing more or that I'm running a higher basal like profile, but I'm so accustomed to just being in the fight and fighting the fight. I, I sometimes don't think about why it's happening. I just. Right. Yeah. You just adjust to get it back to target. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's okay. As long as you're okay adjusting that way. Right. And if that works for you, then great. I think that more women, especially again, those who are planning a potential pregnancy are really wanting to track well enough because they're also in, ensuring that their blood sugars are really optimally managed for possible conception and the thereafter, you know? So if you really do want more consistency rather than saying, well, I know how to do more insulin. I do it all the time. I just, you know, adjust it here and take more there or adjust it back here or whatever. But if you have a, even those that have a regular enough cycle, it could take some of the like headache out of the, well, I'm high again. I know I need more. I'll take more, but gosh, is this happening regularly enough that I could actually figure out well, how much more do I need on an average monthly change time? Well, yeah. Well, is that is less guesswork in the moment then. And the reason I brought it up is because the process of getting ready to make this episode with you made me realize I'm going to set up three different profiles for Arden because <laughs> she's going to go to college. Yeah. And I know what she'll she's going to do. Her blood sugar is going to go up and she's going to be like, this never used to happen before. You know, and and she's you know not going to realize the thing she's missing is me texting right. her, texting her going, "Yo, Bolus, what are you doing?" Right, <laughs> like, 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 right, because because for people who don't like really understand, I know it sounds like micromanaging to some like newer people, but for people who listen to the podcast, I don't imagine it does. Like, I don't like to see a blood sugar over one forty. And, right. and I act like, like, you know, how some people might act when your blood sugar is 300 is about how I start feeling at 140. I'm like, yo, what are we doing here? Because in my mind, I'm targeting back to 80. Right. Like, like in my mind, 140, 60 points too high. <laughs> you know, right. I'm like, I'm like, get it, get it. But the, the amount of insulin that it takes to get it um, has climbed since Arden's been on a birth control pill. So while... Yes, the birth control pill has regulated Arden's period, and she's not bleeding to death anymore. Her 
diabetes has gotten more difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because, and now if you go look at graphs about how insulin, like, listen, what I know about birth control is probably not enough, but you're getting, you're getting a, a pretty regulated amount of these hormones every day. And, and that birth control is literally tricking your body into not releasing an egg. Right. I, I didn't realize that, um, that the bleeding is keeping you on a one cycle of hormone akin to not needing ovulation. Yeah. Right. And so you're not, nothing's happening. You're not ovulating. Like the whole process isn't happening. Actually, I think what confuses people is that the bleeding that happens when you're off the hormones and you're on the, the, um, the placebo, the placebos is not your period. It's got, it's actually got a name. It's, uh, hold on a second. I have so many browser windows open. <laughs> it's called withdrawal bleeding. It's, oh. Yeah, it's not you're not, it's not the same thing. I never heard thing. I've never heard it called that before. Okay. Well, um I was schooled. I recorded an episode about this with a different podcast that like, I I'm going to be on a vagina podcast pretty soon. And uh <laughs> That's kind of funny. Oh, it was hilarious. And um as I was being asked, I was like, "Why is this happening to me?" But um but but people who really take birth control I don't mean uh, seriously is the wrong word, but but see it as stuff that maybe, you know, there are people who think you shouldn't do it. There are people who sure. think you shouldn't tell people how to live their lives. There's a lot of consternation around birth control in some circles. And it's important for those people for you to know you're not actually getting your period when you're on birth control. So, um, and I have to be honest, I don't want Arden to be on birth control, not because it's birth control, but because I don't want her to take anything she doesn't have to take. Right. But she, right. Was, she was going down. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we were looking at her. We were like, I guess this is it. Like, you know, the money right. the money we save for college, we could buy a house with now or something. Well, and that's, you know. I mean, those there are, I think, really, there are really good reasons to utilize birth control all around. Mm-hmm. There are. Um, but in a case like this, it's almost a necessity in order to get containment of something. Now, the other thing is, you know, is this something that's just it's just the way that her body is going to continue to work even into like adulthood. Will she continue to have to have this level of birth control, you know, management so that she doesn't have this problem? That question is in my head constantly. Like, when do we just like stop it once and see what happens? You you know what I mean? Like, right. But I don't understand any cause and effect reasons why using birth control for a while would, you know, quote unquote, regulate things, and then you wouldn't need it anymore. Um, right. Or, or was this just a cycle of her life, and it was going to pass on its own, and we're never going to know as long as she's on the birth control pill. Right. So I keep thinking, right. I keep thinking maybe, you know, a few months before college, maybe we like, would try bail, bail on it one time and see what happens. Because Well, and you've done enough work already to know I mean, she's used several different types mm-hmm. of it. So you also have an idea of what works, what really did nothing good, and what does actually work. Because there are so many kinds of birth control oh my God. <laughs> that are available and so many mixes of hormones that you could use, or some are single, single hormones, some are a mix of hormones at different levels. They're taken different ways. I mean, there are... Lots. At one point, our um, our pharmacy benefits changed her over to a generic. Things were going great, 
And then they changed it to a generic and it went right back to where it was again. And then we had to swap her back to another one. Which is so funny, right? I mean, if it was the same thing, only a generic, what's different about it, right? I have no idea. This is the, this, uh, Jenny, in one way or another, vaginas are the bane of my existence. I I just, (laughs) they're, they're torturing me from different angles and different perspectives (laughs) all the time. And, um, and on Arden's period has been, I mean, a roller coaster. It has not been fun for her or for the you know right. for the people trying to help her. Well, and I think you see it from a perspective of you want the best for her. You want her to be healthy and enjoy yeah. life and everything. So you see it really as a it's problematic, not from a <laughs> physiologic standpoint. It's just problematic in what it brings into the picture of her management. You know, you may have a very different look on it if she didn't have diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I, there's so much about it I wouldn't even understand or pay attention to or, or have right. to consider. So I, I, I'm basically having this conversation to tell people that I'm going to start doing what I think you should do. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna set up my own tracking app, and I'm going to track Arden's, like, insulin input, which is Jenny's making a face because I don't do something I'm like I'm this. pretty like, amazing. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm making the face that, like, you don't do things like well, this. because God. if I don't, she's going to leave for college and either bleed to death or have an A1C <laughs> in the eights, like one or the other. Like, you know, like, it's just one or the other is going to happen. So, And typically, I mean, that is, it's also another piece in the mix, too, because you brought a lot of things in that could be happening in periods that are mismanaged, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who has excessive bleeding can bring in a lot of other health risk problems that can also make the diabetes management piece even harder to figure out and manage around. So it's really important. I mean, on average, you know, quote me, but I think I read at one point, like the average woman with a normal healthy cycle length and not excessive bleeding really only loses about a quarter cup of blood through the whole period, which is it's, tiny amount, right? I mean, if you know what a quarter cup measuring cup looks like. So, I mean, if you're saying, gosh, excessive, clearly excessive is like lots and lots that shouldn't be happening. Here's a one measuring stick for you. Um, Arden's ferritin gets down to like the teens. She gets an infusion. They test it again. It pushes it into like the 130s. It gets pretty high when you get the infusion. Yeah. And within three months of not being on the period, she was back in the teens again. Teens again. Yeah. yeah. So, and just, I mean, for people who don't know, anemia, low blood, low iron, whatever, you know, however you get to it. I mean, just can't hardly pick your head up. Oh, freezing it feels cold. horrible. Yeah. You, you, you feel like you're dying the whole time. Shortness of breath. Um, you can have heart palpitations. Like it's not good I, you know you get no. like pain in your like muscles and joints and like it's it's terrible um so arden's gonna stay on this as long as she needs to but yeah but it's funny while she was home arden's chill at home like when she was going to school from home she needed less insulin as soon as she went back to in person i knew her needs were gonna go up again and um i did the thing where I was bolusing too much and didn't adjust settings for a little while too. Like it happens to everybody. It doesn't, sure. it doesn't not happen to me because it's my podcast. Like, you know, like you're, you're so used to managing one way and then this big piece of your life changes 
and you don't even realize it for some reason. And, right. and that just made me sadder when I realized that thinking about this, because basically on your period, your life is changing like every couple of weeks, you, you know, like there's this impact and there and, and it might not happen to everybody. There are some women who will listen to this that go, oh, that doesn't happen to me or it doesn't Correct. happen is, you know, just like, oh my God. Well, in fact, I've got, you know, some women that I've worked with, you know, even outside of like preconception planning, just in terms of diabetes management. And obviously the cycle is a piece that we talk through and talk about. And some women who actually have the higher blood sugar levels during their period, mm-hmm. not before, um, it's more really an onset while they're actually having their period, which is not the typical of what I've seen. But again, I've heard it enough that it's also not odd or rare. Yeah. No, so, in the in the questions that I sent to you that that I found online, it, it 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 was almost like people were like, "Hey, during these days here, my blood sugar is incredibly easy." And then somebody would come along and say, "Well, in those same exact days, my blood sugar is incredibly difficult." And yeah. I'm sure if we could, you know, doctor house every person in the world, you might find out why. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. I used to love that show. <laughs> I mean, right? Sarcoidosis usually, right? And uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, but, but, but so did you see anything in these questions that you definitely wanted to go over? Yeah, I was just going to go back to. Because. Um, them. Because at some point, too, there were a, a number of questions about. Um, menopause too. And some women are asking about what about when they take hormone replacement? Is it going to happen then? And I don't know, but it seems like the same as taking birth control to me, right? You're, you're, you're adding hormones to your daily intake. For the longest time, I've believed that one of the sticking points of getting people good information about managing insulin was that it was hard to put it in one place or to hold people's attention or for them to realize it was there so they could keep coming back. You know, there might be an article here or there or a story that would be helpful to you, but how do you condense it all into one place? And it turns out that this podcast is the perfect way to accomplish that. I would notice that even if somebody understood temp basils really well, they might not have thought about pregnancy. Or if they understood, you know, extended boluses, they might not have talked about how to use your basil well. And that you were going to be lost if you didn't have all of this information in one place. But most importantly, this information needs to be easy to digest and easy to understand and listenable, right? Like you have to want to listen. And I think that we, we I think we've done that with this podcast. Well, now in my eighth year, With over 600 episodes, there is a ton of information inside of this podcast. It's a a compendium. It really is of how to manage your, your insulin and live well. So I need you to look for the Defining Diabetes series. It it might seem overly simplistic, but it takes the terms that you're going to be using every day and boils them down into easy to understand explanations. They're not long, they're fun to listen to, and you'll leave with a real understanding of what the terms mean. The podcast also has these diabetes pro tips, which I think are absolutely, I think they're they're amazing, honestly. Like, it's not just because I made them. I see feedback from people every day about them, and I'll actually leave some at the end of the podcast for you. But 
listen to the diabetes pro tips, but you need the tools, right? You can't just you can't just look at the instructions to build a bridge and not understand what a wrench is. So listen to the defining diabetes and then move on to the pro tips. Now, there's also things like how we eat, where people come on and talk about all the different ways they eat. Vegan, carnivore, gluten-free, Bernstein, FODMAP, keto, intermittent fasting, ton of them. Because I think that everyone's eating style should be represented. I don't care how you eat. I care that you know how to use insulin. That's all that matters to me. Once you know how to use insulin, you go ahead and eat any way you want. I just want you to be able to do it. Doesn't matter what you do. It matters that you can. That's how I feel. There are special episodes, me and Jenny Smith answering questions from the uh, from the audience. You know, they're called Ask Scott and Jenny. In those episodes, we talk, oh my God, we talked about so much. How to combat the morning rise. How does carb absorption work? How do you handle um, a high blood sugar, what is standard deviation, advice for using basal IQ, um, just so many different things. There's entire episodes that are just about mental health and type 1 diabetes. I have after dark episodes that handle everything from heroin addiction to being a sex worker and having type 1 diabetes to smoking weed and everything in between, stuff that other people don't talk about. But we talk about it here on the Juice Box podcast. I also have over 10 episodes about pregnancy, an entire series just about the variables that may pop up while you're managing your insulin. You want to learn about algorithm pumping? We've got that covered too. The Juice Box Podcast is much more than the Diabetes Pro Tip series. I hope you take time to check it out. There's something in there for everybody, and there is a path to the A1C and the stability that you want. So whether you're looking for community or answers, check out the Juicebox podcast. Subscribe now in an audio app. It's always free. And hormone replacement therapy is usually, for the most part, centered around like the menopause kind of time, perimenopause, menopause kind of time. It's supposed to help to ease much of the hormonal transition that's creating some of the symptoms, Mm -hmm. things like the hot flashes and the energy swings and the insomnia and the, I guess, level of irritation one woman may experience versus another, Um, right? So that's supposed to technically even things out more and it's a good question to actually ask um, if you haven't and you're considering or already taking um, the hormone replacement therapy, you know, asking your physician if they know anything really about that piece in terms of what they should expect. My expectation would be that with the replacement therapy, if it's going well, the dose is well managed, technically you should have actually more stability than in how you're feeling which should also bring more stability to your glucose management. Right. Well, I guess while we're in this this area, what about somebody who's had a hysterectomy? Do they lose all of those that the cycle's just gone, right? So that is but is all the hor- are all the hormones gone too? Um so over, I mean that's a good question because quite honestly, you could have a partial or you could have a like a total hysterectomy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, so there are hormonal imbalances that can definitely happen with partial hysterectomy. Um, It does, for the most part, from what I know, cause less dramatic change in hormone levels 
than a full hysterectomy does. Okay. Um, so in terms of that, you know, your hormones definitely shift because obviously there's nothing there to cause that, that trend of hormones change, yeah, right? Yeah, the there's the period, changed. right? Disappears. So, um, you know, overall, while there may be some initial management that needs to be done, um, I wouldn't expect that there would be as much. I haven't worked with many women who've had hysterectomy, um, but I wouldn't expect that there to be as much fluctuation mm-hmm. as they probably usually had. Okay. Um, I mean, when the menopause obviously is kind of similar in that when that happens, obviously your ovaries stop producing enough hormones to continue the menstrual cycle. Right. Um, so if you've had a hysterectomy, which includes removing the ovaries, you would then be essentially moved into sort of like a premature menopause kind of time. Right. Um, so. All right. Well, you know what, there's one person that asked such as a detailed question that I think yeah. the way they broke it down might be valuable for us. So um, her first question was, why does the body become more insulin resistant during different phases of the menstrual cycle? Just to lay it out for people. Not that I think we haven't, but it is the answer just simply there's more hormones at different parts. Right. And so that's, you know, initially when we were talking like, what is the surge of the different hormones through the course of pregnancy or through the course of, of a menstrual cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of that rise up in insulin need, uh, you know, there are a couple points of time for different hormones. One of them, progesterone, as it's kind of rising in terms of, are you going to find out you're pregnant or are you now you don't know that you're pregnant or you're not going to be pregnant. So you end up having a cycle. So then that climb in progesterone is again, that typical time period before your cycle starts that you would have insulin resistance creep into the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, It may creep slowly, like seven days before you start to notice you've got that rise in blood sugar. Okay. Maybe you change up your overnight settings or, you know, whatever it might be as you get closer to your expected first day of cycle, you're going to see a lot more resistance. I mean, many women find 20 to even 40% more insulin need in that time period of climb in hormone. Um, And then that most women experience the most significant in resistance the day before their cycle starts. The day before the cycle starts, which is the day yes. before the bleeding happens. Yes, day before their, yes, before their period starts, their, their bleeding happens. I prefer to call it the event here, but that's fine. The event, there you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, that could be, uh, you know, a visual point of saying, well, I'm not crazy. I didn't need to change my pump site and change to new insulin or nothing was really wrong. I see that this is the pattern and this is what's always happening. So. Right. How high did my blood sugars go? How much more insulin did it look like I continually used in the past two or even three months so that you can expect it now and you can make, a, I guess, a wiser shift in your insulin rather than just sort of like completely guessing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm going to take three units today because clearly two and a half yesterday didn't work. Well, okay. <laughs> but if you have some back knowledge, you can say, okay, this is definitely how much more I needed. And I can adjust better here now. Do you know there are months that Arden's period doesn't begin on the first day of the placebo? It happens sooner. Which wow. does, doesn't make any sense at all. She's definitely kooky in her belly. Like like something's, <laughs> that, that something's going. Like when that happens, so, uh, two days ago, I 
saw as much resistance from her as I as I had in the month. And I said to her, like, something you're gonna get your period soon. She goes, I have like four pills left. And I was like, Okay. So then yesterday, dude, all day, like we had to cut her insulin back crazy yesterday. So when she got home from school, I was like, Did you get your period? She goes, No, I still have a couple of days left. But her body acted like her period started yesterday. It was already starting. And hmm. now I'm like, I wonder if the bleeding's now adjusting back to where it's supposed to be. I also wonder sometimes, like Kelly's, you know, still still menstruates. My wife's still fertile. Um, <laughs> not what I meant. That's a good yeah. thing. The longer you actually have your cycle, the healthier for you. It, it reduces a lot of the risk of um female related cancers. Okay. Um, well, so the longer good. you have your cycle and the length of the cycle matters too. Not that this is diabetes specific, but it's right. a piece in the mix of if wow. you've that's good cycle, cool. regular cycle, and the longer you have it in life, the better for you. Yeah. Well, that's good news. Uh, yes. But, but what I was wondering was, is you know how you, you kind of sync up to people. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've often wondered if Arden and Kelly even being near each other is messing with Arden. Very likely because in college I had um, three other roommates mm-hmm. Um and at that point, we we all within a week had our periods at the same time. Yeah. Like it was not a house he probably wanted to live in. <laughs> <laughs> We're buying a bigger trash can. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this person's next out question was, do insulin needs change only when premenstrual or does it happen around ovulation as well? I think yes. we've, we've pretty much gone over that, right? Yeah. Um, And ovulation for some, just in clarification, some women notice more significant insulin resistance around ovulation mm -hmm. than they do in the pre-cycle or like period start time. And it's often much shorter lived of a a swing up, more noticeable rise. Post meals often tend to be impacted more if you're going to notice a change around ovulation, but it's only going to be like 24 to 72 ish hours around that ovulation, um, that you're going to notice such significant resistance. So again, we've got this like roller coaster of hormones going on, making people feel (laughs) crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I watched a video about how to know when you're ovulating, getting ready for this. And, um, there there's are, a lot that you can watch. Oh, geez. I learned a lot uh, about discharge and cervix ripening and uh, feeling sexual and that it sometimes happens and sometimes it, to some people doesn't happen to others. Some people get many of the symptoms. Some people get fewer, none. Um, yep. You know, it, I love it when something's spelled out to you like this. Here's what could happen, unless it doesn't, or maybe it won't. But it could. And you're like, this is not helpful. Like, like right. say something concrete or stop making videos. Uh, but it was really, I don't know, it was interesting. Anyway. There's a really good book I got actually years ago before we even <clears throat> planned to start trying. Um, it's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Mm-hmm. And it goes through. It's really, I think, I think that it should be given to women in yeah. general because even if you never plan to have children, it gives you a really good idea of how the female body works. Yeah, And it can, from just that standpoint, make you feel less like, 
like I've always kind of hated when people are like, oh, she's getting her period. Like that's the reason for all of these mood swings and whatever. Well, it's, I mean, that's quite honestly, it could be true. I mean, it's somebody's meaning it in kind of like not a very nice way, Yeah. but it is true that hormones change and flux a lot. But for you to know that as the person living with it, so you don't feel silly about well, I, that. That's I, your body. It's supposed to be doing that. I'm 20% more a feminist than I was before I started paying attention to this. And I was already yes. on the lady side. And so, um, <laughs> I mean, listen, I've never once been given medical direction that began with start with a clean finger. But I've heard those words a lot now since I've been paying attention to this. And I just thought like, poor girls, like, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus. And seeing it happen to my daughter, like firsthand, it really does. I mean, if you're if if you're not moved by it, I mean, I don't tease my daughter or my wife about like, oh, your period's no. coming, you're acting. But I tell you, when I was younger, I probably said it. But now, that, I, now that I've lived around it, I'm like, it's not, I mean, they should just say, you should, you should be thanking them, not telling them yes. they're, you know. I know to some degree, I'm, I'm very happy that I have two boys. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're going to go to your dad. Yeah. Yeah. This is dad's department. Yeah. You go well, to your father. Whatever you're, whatever he says, it's not going to start with begin with a clean finger. I can tell you Don't that. Don't ask mommy about this. Yeah, well, also, and you, you're you lucky too, because you're not going to ever be in this situation that Arden and Kelly are in where your periods are like. No. It, just jerking you back and forth on timing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Because I have, like I said, I have experienced that like in college, but I don't think at that point I was even while I did a really good job of management as well as I could, I, that technology at that point was not, I mean, there was no CGM. I was still doing, you know, a lot of darn finger sticks a day to see where things were going, but I don't think I was as attuned to even wanting to pay attention to why something I was just like, ah, I mean, even at that point, I was like, ah, it looks like I just need a little bit more insulin. Yeah, you, you were me then. So but we're, we're, yeah, I mean, maybe we're a decade into having the technology where you can break this stuff down. Right. This person's next question, I really want to thank them for this. And I don't have her name here. I, I apologize. Um, is, you know, she brings up what are ways to track it. I mean, you can track it on a paper calendar, you can track it in an app. It's my intention to just, like I said earlier, to um, in, in a quick, easy way, maybe even colors would work, honestly, mm -hmm. you know, uh, green, yellow, red for insulin. Um, I would track insulin needs. I would track when the period's starting. I would try to figure out as much about ovulation as I could. So you can kind of find that window in there about where it is. And I'll tell you, too, like, it sucks, but you could track your mood. You could track your, you know, your sexual desire. Like you can make all those little like clicks there. I, it sucks. Yeah. You know what I found thinking sucked for women the whole time is that things that from an outsider's perspective seem like choice can be driven so harshly by hormones, which could make you feel like you're not doing things purposefully like it's your body right. doing it to telling you, you to do you yeah. telling you to do yeah. yeah like like i would hate the idea of i'm on a date and i'm open to having sex tonight not because i want to have sex or because i like this person but because my hormones are in a state where it's telling me to they're kind of baby. telling me to feel this way yeah, yeah. Do this now because sperm will live in you for five days and then we can get you fertilized and give you a good chance to, uh, you know, of, right. of bringing this egg along. It, that's, 
I mean, it's kind of, which brings in a lot of interesting fact, especially for the teenage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, I mean, the majority of teenagers at this point are not considering conception. They're not, they're beyond that, you know, for many reasons, but those are some of the things that your body is supposed to be telling you to do. Right. And you know, what's the reason? Well, eons ago, people were getting married when they were 14, 15 years ago, old and having kids at that point. In fact, you know, if you weren't married by the time you were like 25, it was like, it was over all over for you, you know, window. Yeah. Right. Because you were five Uh, years away from dying, probably at some point, you know, it's, well, I mean, I listen, it's beautiful, like in a, in a nature kind of naturalistic way, like it's amazing. I just found myself feeling badly that you could be having feelings or thoughts that aren't the ones that you decided to have. But then I kind of brought it out larger. And I thought when my iron was lower, I wasn't who I was. Right. You know I mean, we're all just, you know, some dialed up level of different chemicals and hormones and impacts and everything. And, and right. I, you know, I think that. I, I, I hate to say that I think this episode could have been like, hey, you should track your period and then make better decisions about your insulin. Like, I really think that could have been the end of it. And, it, well, I think there's other, um, I, in fact, there were a couple other questions in here that I think that do go, I mean, they, they kind of go into, yes, that's the base, track your insulin, see mm-hmm. what you need, and then make the decision on how to make your insulin delivery system do what you want it to do for you. Right. But there were a couple of questions. One of them was on MDI. um, Should I change my basal in a certain point of my cycle to deal with increased or decreased resistance? And I should, I also focus on adjusting my boluses. Mm -hmm. Um, I can say that absolutely. You'll need to adjust at least your basal insulin, even on MDI. I mean, when I was MDI, and had caught on to the fact of needing more based on what my blood sugar was doing. I knew that I needed a certain dose that was three units. I still remember it was three units higher than my baseline dose for the time period of resistance that I needed. Okay. So, you know, in terms of that, um, I could always adjust. And unless something shifted and changed, you know, I would have maybe used a little bit more um, or a little bit less, but overall it was, it's funny that I still remember that three Three units more was always what I used when I had my period. Um, So yes, you could use more. And if your doctor isn't directing you to do that, our doctors don't direct us to do many things that we end up doing. This is not advice or recommendation to do that, but discuss it with them, but it definitely, and bring in maybe some of the logs that you've kept and say, Hey, I'm noticing this. Would you agree? I'm thinking I need this much more insulin, right? I mean, always check with somebody, obviously, if you feel that you need to Um, boluses, could they need to adjust? Absolutely. They could. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I just did the math real quick. Three units is only like 0.125 an hour if you're on a on a basal program for a pump. So Right. It's but 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 it might have been significant for you. Do you remember what your basal was back then? Yeah, I do. My basal and overall was sitting at 12 mm-hmm. and I needed 15. 15. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I mean it's a big so. jump. Even though it doesn't look like a big jump per hour, it is a big jump percentage-wise. 
it was a big jump percentage wise. And it was a bit, I mean, it looks like a big jump, like gosh, going from 12 all the way up to 15. Oh my gosh. Like that's a lot more insulin, right? Especially when you talk about like adjusting things. Okay. We're going to add one unit more of your basal insulin and we'll see how this manages things over the course of that whole 24 hour time period. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, the other one that I thought was good to focus on would be using algorithm driven pumping systems Mm -hmm. as a female, the algorithm was not, it wasn't built for this to deal with hormones. It was not, it wasn't built for hormones. It wasn't built for pregnancy. You can successfully use it if you know how to manipulate settings. Right. I, I personally find that it's better for me to just adjust my baseline profile in my system. And then on the months that I am more resistant on top of that, then a temporary adjustment up using a temporary basal or an override or, you know, whatever your adjustment is for the algorithm that you're using. I adjust up using that. Yeah. Is is this whole conversation really um, similar to what you would have if you were talking about like a um, a teenage boy who's going through a lot of growth and hormone changes and stuff like that. Like just it's just not on a cycle that you can see as well. Right. right. It's not on a cycle that's as I mean, it doesn't seem to be from the teen guys that I've worked with. It doesn't seem to be as cyclic. Yeah, predictable, right? In it right, right. Yeah. Um this really is predictable though, within reason. The within period, reason. Yeah, the period yes. thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can even say if you're the person with the irregular cycle, let's say 25 days, one month, 29 days, another month back to 30 days, and then back down to 25 days, despite that, the things that you're seeing happen to your blood sugar mm -hmm. in that time period will continue to happen for you. Yeah. Right. So even if your cycle length isn't about the same if you start to see those in a time period that could be soon enough to be close enough to like an early cycle, or maybe you're gone beyond that and you haven't seen changes yet. And Oh, now I see changes. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking that um, you're talking about like variables and inside of variables, inside of variables, you can, you know, um, you know, food, food cravings are not uncommon right around hormone changes. So no. you could you could have forever thought, why is it sometimes I'm really good at nachos and other times I'm not really good at nachos? And maybe it's because once in a while you have nachos when you want them, and sometimes you want nachos because your hormones want them. And, right. and you're already in a situation that's more difficult. And then you add in food because what made me right. think of it was the question here is like, should I eat differently or exercise differently through different phases of my cycle? Which is a great question. And it made me think, you know, I'm not into telling people how to eat, but there are definitely foods that are easier on you that take less insulin that you might want to try eating while you're having an increased need for another reason. Because now, otherwise, you have two increased needs. Correct. The difficult food and your hormones at the same time. Right. And the hormones are driving a desire for things that otherwise you may have very you may have very easy management around, right? Um, you may love nachos, but your typical serving of nachos is appropriate and, and fine. And if it's a hormone driven time, you know, you might eat 
much more than that of your nachos. Do you know while we were adjusting Arden's um, birth control pills and getting it right, she couldn't stomach meat. Huh. Like she was not a vegetarian kind of person. And for a while, she couldn't stomach meat. Like, just get it away from me. She couldn't smell it. She definitely couldn't even think about eating it. And then as her, um, as the pill, we found the right pill and it got kind of like set in stone. Now that's come back a little bit. It must be something to do with the hormone levels in the um, birth control she's using because it's actually not uncommon for just thinking about hormones in general. Many women have some aversion to meat during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Many women can't stomach red meat specifically. Okay. Um, So I wonder if it's something hormonally similar that was weird happening for her before it got regulated i'm running around the house pointing to that my wife's like that's crazy arden's like you don't like arden just thinks i pay too much attention to her so she's like stop paying like caring i I brought it up to the ob the ob's like i don't know i'm like god damn it i'm right about this i was was like no one's watching these people more than me you you know what i mean like i'm like trust me they'd all be dead without me jenny (laughs) like in one way or another my wife like you know like with the the thyroid stuff like i'm the one who's kind of like stepped back like you guys hear me talk about on the podcast like being micro and macro like on my family i'm macro like i step back i look for big picture stuff and i don't worry but when i start seeing stuff over and over again i don't know it's just who i am like i just i don't know i worry about people so um (laughs) That's not a bad thing necessarily. It's bad for me. It's great for them. Right. (laughs) Yes. You never noticed me worrying about myself. Um, But was um, this, I I think this kind of may answer some of the question I see and hear about age. How old was Arden when she had her first cycle? Do you remember? Of course you remember. No, I don't know if I do. Um, It was a little later than her friends. Okay. Maybe 50. as was, as was I, yeah. um, and it, it, a couple of questions here and, you know, just relative to like, when should I expect this in my daughter? Um, honestly could be as early as age 10. Wow. Honest. And it could be, I mean, I was, I was definitely late. I was definitely late in getting my cycle comparative to all of my friends, but I also think, um, in terms of, that my my management wasn't then what it could have been if I were diagnosed in today's age, mm-hmm. right? So I think that the management style that I had at that point was not managing well enough to allow my body to actually be consistent enough to start my cycle at the time that it technically should have started. Yeah. This is Jenny's third attempt to let you all know to go back and listen to all of the pro tip episodes. <laughs> So that you can do a really great job of getting your settings right, understanding how to make changes for yourself, how to bolus for meals, how to keep high blood sugars from happening. Like she she is very artfully telling you that stability and understanding is the is the firm foundation of living with diabetes. She's just it so, is. she's so nice about it when she says it. <laughs> I'll just say what Jenny's saying. Y'all aren't doing a good enough job. You gotta get in there and try a little harder. <laughs> so um you know, it's funny. I think Arden was 14 having just turned 15. And I mm-hmm. don't remember the date. I remember the situation. We, we, along with a number of her friends, were on our way to go swimming. And this was Arden's first time swimming with a period. And a bunch of little girls disappeared upstairs in my house and came back 20 minutes later, disheveled, sweaty, 
rocked. And the and the one girl goes, we couldn't get it in. <laughs> and that oh, was the, and no. That was the, and apparently, I, this is not, apparently at one point, like a mechanic. And how funny that they actually like, they I mean, really they felt tried. comfortable enough with you that they actually announced it to like a guy. It's a fairly oh my God, I would have been like mortified oh, telling my dad something no, like no, that. No, 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 no. It <laughs> was described to me as Arden was a car on a lift and the girls took turns trying to change her oil and couldn't figure out how to do it. So... <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's about what happens around here usually. And uh, well, actually, I got to say that's not usual. Uh, but but it didn't work out. And so I'm thinking it was the end of her 14, right around her 15th birthday. If I'm okay. if I'm guessing right. If I'm wrong about that, then it's end of it's not 15, 16. She's been at this for a while. I think it's 14 to 15. But yeah, like this could like you could have kids getting their periods. All kinds of crazy ages. Like, what, what did I used to hear? Like, the hormones in cow's milk are making girls develop sooner or something. Like, I don't know if any of that's true. But, you know, there are girls walking around sometimes where you're like, are they 20 or 10? Or, like, what? you can't tell. You, yeah, you know? I know. So, yeah. the. I mean, I think that that's like a rabbit hole of we could dive in there, but it would be a long, long discussion. Yeah. I also things. don't think we should make euphemisms about holes while we're talking no. about periods. So, um, <laughs> um, so I, I mean, do you think, let's see, do you think there's anything else? Like, I, I mean, I feel like this is a good conversation. I mean, perimenopause, people are asking about different kinds of birth controls. Like there are non-hormonal birth control like ways. Right. So, I mean, there's, I'll tell you more than two people asked about plan B, um, whether or okay. not that has an amp, whether or not that would have an impact on blood sugars. And I wasn't able to find that out. You know, I, that is a really good one. I can actually ask my, um, my old, my, my MFM, I can actually ask them if they have any reference mm-hmm. to that having worked with enough women with type one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the goal of that, obviously is to not conceive. Yeah. So it has some level of hormone shift to prevent pregnancy. You would think it's an overwhelming of hormones to kind of stop. The Whether right? it has an impact on blood sugar, I don't know. That's it's yeah. a really good I, question. I don't know enough about how that works. Um how about IUDs? Do they impact blood sugars? That I'm sure you've seen in practice, right? Right. Those more th- they seem smoother. Um, okay. than other birth control methods um, from what I have seen. Um, so do they have impact? They probably have an impact in terms of initially having one and then the outcome of what now your sort of monthly cycle, mm-hmm. if there is still one remaining, what does that look like? Do you see any shifts? I've I've seen women who don't actually have any visible cycle whatsoever, right? Who have noticed a minor shift that appears to be cyclic, but most of them tell me that they don't even adjust around it. They just end up taking like a little more corrective at the next mealtime. The correction seems to work well enough, kind of gets them, you know, back to where they want to be. And they never make any shifts in their insulin at all. I have to say that Arden's OB was pushing pushing she wasn't pushing she was saying if we don't find some stability with blood with birth control pills she wanted arden to consider an iud now arden's like a little young like we walked out and she like the first thing she said to me is like i'm not doing that and and i was like gotcha uh but it was 
you know, she's like, you know, in the future, we might have to keep this in mind. Um, yeah. I don't, I, you know, that is another thing I don't know much about, but you look like you have something you want to say. What did you find? No, I was actually just looking up a little bit about uh, whether I could find anything on the plan B and blood sugar specific to type one, but I don't really see anything at all that documents that. Okay. How about, so is PCOS somehow related to diabetes and, or no? Like, why do you, is it just because I only, apparently at this point in my life, I only talk to people who have diabetes that I, I start thinking things are more common or. Right. PCOS is more common in those with other metabolic shifts that include insulin resistance and PCOS can bring more resistance into the picture, right? Other metabolic things being um, have more difficulty with weight management, may have higher cholesterol levels, may already have higher blood pressure, um, despite potentially doing all of the healthy lifestyle things to manage those. Mm-hmm. Um, but PCOS is more common with the type two. Um, but interestingly, in the past, I would say five years, I have had more women more normal, like healthy body weight and healthy lifestyle who have actually been diagnosed with PCOS. And part of the, part of the reasoning in terms of like sending them to their back to their doctor to say, Hey, I don't understand. I am doing everything in the picture Mm -hmm. of management and I need so much insulin to keep things where they are. Something else has to be in the picture. So a mine is always, why don't we look for PCOS? Mm -hmm. Because if that is in the picture, one of the long-term, even in women without diabetes with PCOS, a a medication that's very common in use is metformin. Okay. It helps to dial down the resistance. resistance. And from the PCOS level, it helps with some of that, um, cystic nature in the ovaries. Um, and it helps with evening some of that out in terms of hormones and everything. So metformin is definitely a heavily used additional medication that could be, you know, beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody mentioned metformin Mm -hmm. in one of, in, uh, in the, in one of those, I forget where it was. Um, I didn't, I didn't bring that question over for some reason because they were Hmm. like, because they were talking about like, can I, could I just use metformin during certain times of resistance around my, you can't stop and start it, right? That's no, that's yeah. not the way that metformin is meant. You know, if you're going to use it, we start at a low dose, evaluate tolerance. I mean, it's one of the older um, oral medications. It typically for most people is well tolerated after you get over some initial like first week or so of like some mm-hmm. stomach upset. Um, and as long as you're tolerating it, it increases to like more of a therapeutic level right. and then you continue use of it. Yeah, you you don't stop start and, start and stop it. it. You can't use it like no. Advil during one section of your period. No. I only brought, no. it, I brought it up here because if somebody was thinking it, maybe somebody else was thinking it. I did not think that was a good idea. So, okay. Uh, I don't know. Like there's this moment where I go, are we good, Jenny? Did I, did we do it or. Yeah, I think, you know, I was looking at more of the questions just to make sure that. Um, PA. I mean, in terms of talking specific, like cycle, 
I think yes. Um, I mean, I think discussion around things like menopause and that kind of stuff are, it's such a transitory time in terms of that. Forever, right? Like menopause could go on for years. It can go on for very long time. Absolutely. I mean, and that's really perimenopause, right? Once you're fully in menopause, you have no longer had a cycle for a year's time, right? Then you are menopausal. Perimenopause starts with many women notice a shift in their cycle. Let's say you have had a regular 30-day cycle consistently. You're kind of getting into the age of, and what age? In general, about 50-ish. But women with diabetes have from research sort of proven to start earlier than the typical like age of 50, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, So any shifts in your cycle without any lifestyle changes or anything like that, you know, now you're having 25 day, the next month, it's 30 day. This month, you have three days of a really light cycle. Next month, it's really, really heavy and painful. And it's just not your typical Mm -hmm it could be very likely that perimenopause is kind of in the picture and there aren't, I mean, many women would say, well, can I, you know, get hormone testing levels done to see. And at this point of perimenopause, it's not typically recommended. It really isn't until menopause that they would recommend doing testing of hormones to actually sort of prove the case that they have come to a level without a cycle you're no longer ovulating. Um, and some women actually have it done the testing to make sure that they're actually not ovulating from okay. just like a sexual standpoint. They're just ensuring that they can't get pregnant any longer. Yeah. Oh God. So, Can you imagine having a baby when you're 50? I'd be so tired. I personally, I can't. I, oh my you God. Know, I, I would be so tired. I, That's all I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I mean, from an age, no, I, I can't. Um, so no, yeah. my God, anyway. last night, Kelly was like, can you imagine if we had had three kids and one of them was just a couple of years younger than Arden? Wouldn't that be nice? And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, it's it's 930 and I want to go to bed. How would that be a good thing? <laughs> I was like, that child would end up being feral. I'd be like, just try not to die. And I, I don't know if I'd have the energy to take care of it. I really don't. I uh, I don't understand. I mean, good for you if you do. I, I don't think I could. Um, that it? We're good? I think that's it. We and we it. should be good. All right. So thanks. On the whole, that's everything. I'm just should be, right. Right. probably not everything, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's enough to get you through. All right. Yes. Cool. Okay. Right. Awesome. Jenny, I uh, really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. My friend Jenny Smith has had type 1 diabetes for over 33 years. Jenny holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring systems. She is also all over this podcast. So if you like her, check out the Finding Diabetes, Ask Scott and Jenny, the rest of the pro tips, and so much more. Jenny does this for a living, by the way. You can hire her at integrateddiabetes.com. Okay, I promise you euphemisms for periods, so let's do it. Okay, some of these are going to be indelicate, so stop listening now if you don't want to hear them. All right, what do we got here? Strawberry Week, Red Ant, 
Red Army, Red Wave, Red Ant is Visiting, Men's, which is short for menstruation, Riding the Red Wave, Code Red, The Red Plague, Aunt Rose is Visiting, Red Castle, Entering the Red Sea, Tomato Juice, Ketchup Week, Ketchup Week, that's not good. I don't. I don't like that one. That makes me upset. Um, what else we got here? Oh my God, that one's horrible. This is um from in French. Fair du boudin. I mean, I I don't speak French, but cooking black pudding. The hell's wrong with you people? The small little elves. Niagara Falls. I have my things. The Marquis. Red Sea. I feel sick. Red light. Red balloon. I have a flood. Lady Days, that time of the month, Painters in the Stairway. What else do we have here? Special Situation. These are Chinese. Special Situation, Apple Bread, Bloody Mary, that thing that comes. In Japanese, uh, Girls' Day, Blood Festival, once a month, Arrival of Matthew Perry. I do not understand that one at all. The Spanish say indisposed, girl stuff, defrosting the steak, defrosting the steak. That's terrible. Little Red Riding Hood, your devils, the red cousin, the vampire. I'm not even going to say that one. What do you think of that? There's one I won't say. Uh, that one's That one's terrible. Red Tide. I prefer Lady Time. That's my favorite one. I'm also a fan of My Baby Box is Trying to Kill Me. Here is another list. <clears throat> I, I, I Painting the Garage Door, Moon Time, Cranberry Woman, The Curse, Girl Flu. Girl Flu is funny. Um, checking into the Red Roof Inn, Lady Business, Bloody Mary. Oh, I, ooh. All right, I'll say it. Ready? Hold on. One, two, three. The Blob. On the Rag, I find that to be vile. Crimson Tide, it's nice. I like that movie. All right. I mean, listen, there's more than one of these, obviously. You probably have a favorite. I just told you my favorites are Girl Time, My Baby Box is Trying to Kill Me, and I did find Girl Flu very, very entertaining for some reason. Okay, if you're still listening, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast. Make sure you check out those pro tips from the beginning. Listen through. It'll be well worth your time.